The pagan prophet Balaam in the Old Testament is most famous for his talking donkey. But the real story is what happened when he tried to curse the people of Israel just before they entered the promised land. We're in our series called In Case You Missed It. It's week number two. So let's talk about Balaam and that donkey. And let's actually start with the New Testament. Balaam is mentioned three times in the New Testament. One of them's right here, Second Peter 2. It says, they have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. In case you missed it, you have to go all the way back to Numbers in order to see that story. It says there that the people of Israel had traveled to the plains of Moab and camped east of the Jordan River across from Jericho. This was right before they went into the promised land after 40 years in the desert. It says when the people of Moab saw how many Israelites there were, they were terrified. And so Balak, king of Moab, sent messengers to call Balaam, son of Beor. And he said, look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and they're threatening me. Please come and curse these people for me because they are too powerful for me. And then perhaps I'll be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know that blessings fall on any people you bless and curses fall on people you curse. Now, before we tell the rest of the story, Let's look at the first of three lessons that we're going to learn from Balaam and his donkey. First, God is fighting for our attention and he will do whatever it takes to get it. For Balaam, it took a talking donkey. The next morning, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, started off with the Moabite officials, but God was angry that Balaam was going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand on the road to block his way. And as Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Now, this is interesting. Balaam never sees the angel of the Lord, even though he's the prophet here. Who does see the angel? The donkey. And it happens not once, not twice, but three times the donkey sees the angel, reacts, and then Balaam beats the donkey. And this is where it gets really interesting. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. And here's the conversation. The donkey said, what have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times? Balaam said, you have made me look like a fool. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. But I'm the same donkey you've ridden all your life. The donkey answered, have I ever done anything like this before? And I love the last part. No, Balaam admitted. And I'm sure Balaam is thinking right about now, you've actually never had a conversation with me before either. There's a lot of firsts going on right here. And then as you turn the page, it says the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. Now pay attention to that. And Balaam saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. And Balaam bowed his head and fell face down to the ground before him. And then the angel of the Lord told Balaam, go with these men but say only what I tell you to say. See, here's the second lesson from the story. God is sovereign and he will always get his way. Turns out that Balaam's prophecies affirmed the blessings that God had promised to Abraham. So Balak was trying to get him to curse Israel and he ends up blessing Israel. Now, let me show you how. In Balaam's first four prophecies, He actually, one by one, references the promised blessings of God hundreds of years earlier to Abraham 
in the book of Genesis. In Genesis 13, God told Abraham that he'd have descendants as numerous as the dust. And Balaam's first prophecy went like this. He said, how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? Who can count Jacob's descendants as numerous as the dust? And then Balaam's second prophecy echoes the promise in Genesis 17 that God would be with Abraham and the Israelites. Balaam said, listen, I received a command to bless. God is blessed and I cannot reverse it. No misfortune is in his plan for Jacob. No trouble is in store for Israel for the Lord their God is with them. And then in Balaam's third prophecy, he references the promise in Genesis 12 that Abraham and his descendants would have a land of their own. Balaam says, this is the message of the one who sees a vision from the Almighty, thanks to the donkey, who bows down with eyes wide open. How beautiful are your tents, O Jacob! How lovely are your homes, O Israel! Now remember what's happening here. Balaam is seeing a vision. What he sees with his physical eyes are the Israelites camping out there along the Jordan River, across from Jericho, in their tents. But what he sees with his spiritual eyes, because the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him at this point, which is pretty incredible. What he sees with his spiritual eyes is this promise from Genesis 12 being fulfilled. He can see the people of Israel in their homes in the promised land years from now. But Balaam's fourth prophecy is probably the most incredible one because he references the star of Jacob that's mentioned in Genesis 49. Balaam says in Numbers 24, 17, I see him, but not here and now. He's talking about Jesus. He says, I perceive him, but far in the distant future, a star will rise from Jacob, a scepter will emerge from Israel. This is a prophecy of the coming Messiah. And it's worth looking at it in Genesis 49 verse 10. This is Jacob blessing his 12 children. When he gets to Judah, he says this, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. This to me is why Balaam's story is so interesting because God uses a wicked prophet to prophesy about the ultimate promise given to Abraham in Genesis. The ultimate promise wasn't about Israel. It wasn't about the promised land, about Canaan. The ultimate promise was that someday Jesus would come from the line of Jacob and Judah and David. And that day was foreseen by Balaam in this incredible story. But there's one more lesson that we learn from this story and you have to read a little bit further to get it. See, the enemy will never stop trying to curse God's people. Balaam couldn't do it through magic. God wouldn't allow him to curse Israel in those seven prophecies. So Balaam did it through culture. See, here's what happened. In Numbers 25, after Balaam had left, it says that the Israelites were still camped there and some of the men defiled themselves by having sexual relations with local Moabite women. These women invited them to attend sacrifices to their gods. So the Israelites feasted with them and worshiped the gods of Moab. In this way, Israel joined in the worship of Baal of Peor, causing the Lord's anger to blaze against his people. 
Now, we don't learn until chapter 31 that this was Balaam's sneaky idea all along. Of the women, it says, these are the very ones who followed Balaam's advice and caused the people of Israel to rebel against the Lord at Mount Peor. They're the ones who caused the plague to strike the Lord's people. Think about what's happening here. Balak wanted Balaam to curse the people of God. But Balaam couldn't do it. The seven prophecies were all about blessing God's people. But then Balaam left, but not after infiltrating the ranks and trying to curse God's people a different way, a sneakier way. Even the book of Revelation has something to say about this. In chapter 2, verse 14, it says, I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. And this is still how the enemy works today in our culture. He's not going to prance around like a false prophet. He's going to infiltrate our culture and get us to buy in to the idols in our culture, including sexual idolatry. So here's one more question for you your mentor or your small group, who are the Balaams of our generation and how are they trying to trip us up today?